3: Hello, this is the Red Box Podcast. I'm Matt Jolly. Before I tell you what's coming up on today's episode, would you like a shout-out on Christmas Day? Yes, on Christmas Day, I'm doing a special show on Times Radio with Mariella Foster. It's Matt and Mariella's selection box, where we're going to pick through some of the weirder things that have happened on our shows in this year. But we're going to be on at 10 o'clock on Christmas morning, so we want to basically say hello to you. So if you're putting the turkey in taking the dog for a walk, peeling the cowards, whatever it might be, if you want us to say hello to you on the radio, just get in touch with me now. You can email me, matt.chorley at radio. Who are you? What will you be doing? Who do you want us to say hello to? And we'll say Happy Christmas to you on uh, Christmas Day. Matt.chorley at radio. Get in touch. Right, coming up on today's episode, it's Wednesday, so it must be PMQs Unpacked. It's the last PMQs of 2021. Patrick Maguire joined me to pause the action uh, live, and analyze in real time, what was going on in the House of Commons. Nobody mentioned the fact that Patrick and I, two weeks ago, weren't quite sure if the Downing Street's party story had got legs. Occasionally we get things one. Right, uh, that's coming up in just a moment, but first, it's Wednesday, so our columnist panel must be crampon. It's Robert Crampton and Alice Thompson.
4: Now I was thinking that crampon is pretty bad, but Matt surely does rem- the the rhyming goes with poorly, which is not that good.
2: <laughs> and did that other one? Did that other one say politics and cheese? Yes. Right. With, okay. Without the uh, Without the wine which, and sleeves. I'm sleaze. not sure. Without the wine right.
3: and sleeves. So I, I've taken it to mean the cheese that was being served in number ten, and not in oh. any way
2: suggesting this show is cheesy. Yeah. That, uh, yeah. I was. That's kind of what I was attempting oh, to. Oh, yeah. Because we're not cheesy, are we at all?
3: No, no, not 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 remotely. Right. But our New Year's <laughs> resolution is to
4: find something better than crampon, because I think crampon may be cramping our style, don't you think?
3: Yeah. Yes. Well, well we I'm, I'm happy if if somebody wants to come up with a better uh, portmanteau for Alice Thompson and Robert Crampton, you carry on. Um, <laughs> uh, get in touch in the usual way. Mm. Now let's talk about. Let's talk about Boris Johnson. Why not? He's, oh. It goes from bad to worse. Um, the rebellion last night, so almost 100 MPs to find the whip to vote against the government on Covid passes. Um, we've got an interview coming up a little later. Mark Harper, uh, one of the, the ringleaders, he chairs the Covid recovery group, former chief whip. He's saying Boris Johnson must change. Alice, is there any prospect of Boris Johnson changing
4: I think very little, I have to say, Mm -hmm. apart from he'll probably become more disorganised and more tired because he has got a tiny baby and a toddler in the flat and he is going to be pretty exhausted, I thought, soon. And he looked, you know, when he addressed the nation earlier this week, he looked absolutely shattered already. So um, the only thing I would say is it may become even more shambolic in the next few weeks.
3: And people don't change, do they, Robert? That's part of the problem. Particularly no. when you b- get to, to, to Boris Johnson's time of life. He's not suddenly going to become a, you know, one of life's great administrators.
2: No, he's not. Uh, I mean, I think he might pretend to change. Uh, they, they, there's a the guy on, uh, I think it was a 1922 committee guy, former, former chairman of the 1922 committee, I think, who was saying he got to consult the party more. It's a cry of pain. Well, I guess he can pretend to do that, can't he? But I don't suppose it'll last very long.
4: What he can do is change the team around him. So if he's aware enough that it's going wrong, which I I doubt he is actually yet, but I think he needs to change. He needs a far better whipping system. Um, And it's extraordinary that he had no idea how bad the rebellion was going to be. And he needs good people around him and then they can contain it. The problem is he does like having a chaotic kind of dysfunctional system right now because that's Mm. where he feels he thrives best so he's got to understand that if he's got any chance at all he's going to have to stop that and become much more efficient and organized really around him he doesn't have to do it personally but he does have to have a team around him to do
2: but i think one of the significant things about the rebellion is that boris had actually tried he'd actually called a lot of the people himself hadn't he and he had he had Mm. sort of done the rounds of the tea room and he'd made much more of an effort than he normally does and even uh, when and he they too yesterday afternoon, yeah, he, yeah. he, um... he made it. A, he made it a personal uh, plea, and they said, "Yeah, okay, it's a personal plea, and we and we reject it." So that's. But he that's knew why. they
4: could. I mean, I think they were actually just very lucky that they had Labour voting. With him, but not Boris wasn't lucky that they did. But yeah. actually, I think he was unlucky that they did, because they knew that they could do it as a rebellion, yeah. and it wasn't going to make any difference. If Labour had said that they were going to vote the other way, then I think most of the rebels would have thought, "Well, we can't do this," because actually, then you know it's going to be a catastrophe. Sure. So, in a way, it was a cheap vote for them. It's not a good message for the country. No, I but it think, still but
2: it shows the depth, vote. the depth of the uh, yeah. unease in the part. I mean, 26 newly elected MPs, one of whom, 26 of them elected in 2019, voted against The government and the person who uh, won twelve days ago, voted against the government. Uh, So that's it's a party that is not happy with its government.
3: Essentially, okay. Let's try and put a slightly counterpoint. I mean, you slightly touched on there, Alice, that um, this was basically a free rebellion, Mm. in that Labour had already said that they were going to back it. So if if MPs are getting a bit of grief locally from them you know local memberships or whatever and they're not happy with covid passes and actually there does seem to be a real question as to whether or not they work um then you mm. get to a bell has no consequence but Boris Johnson still gets what he wants um and uh we put, we carry on as the new year and actually the public support what Boris Johnson's doing even mm. if his own MPs aren't so is it that this is this is partly why I'm not wholly convinced and I you know I, I, t- I tend to be proved wrong but part of the reason why I'm not wholly convinced that Boris Johnson is actually, is in much power as some suggest, is that the people who want him out in his party want him out because he's imposing COVID rules, which they think are too strict. And the people who want him out in the public want him out because they think he hasn't been sticking to the rules and they want stricter rules. And in Unless those two things align, it doesn't seem likely that he's he's in real peril. Or am I um, oversimplifying I think,
4: yes, I think there are some people who are his uh, backbenchers and even some of his um, ministers who felt strongly that they had to send the right message to the country about the new variant and about COVID. So weren't prepared to vote against Boris Johnson, but actually will not support him um, very happily at all at the moment. And many of them are, you know, all the MPs that I have talked to, um, are really dissatisfied, and also they just don't have any loyalty to him. I mean, the idea of Boris getting around the tea rooms and you know getting everyone to vote for him—that's just gone. They just mm. don't care. They literally—they never did have much. You know, he's always been just a winning machine, and and I think actually that's now showing that. And that's what I would be most worried about if I were him—is that they he has absolutely no one behind him. There isn't a sort of team
0: Boris.
2: In a way, it's—I mean, you're right, Matt. In that, in that, it's a pre rebellion in terms of the co of of what measures they do or don't do with COVID. But I still think it's highly significant that, uh, even though you might say it's cheapened by the fact they knew that they would lose uh, 100 of his uh, of his backbenchers, almost half of the non-governmental Tory MPs voted against him. That's got to be significant. It doesn't mean he's going to go tomorrow, but it means he's seriously wounded. And given that he can't change, and given that there'll be another cock-up along before too long, another revelation of some sort, then he's in he's in trouble,
4: and the by-election. I mean, yeah. there's too many issues going on on there for him, and he's just not and doesn't have any sense of being in control of any of it.
2: And you're looking at five percent inflation, and the HS2. I mean, the actual sort of serious uh, day-to-day politics. I mean, look, I mean, non-non-pandemic politics. Five percent inflation, HS2 fiasco, social care fiasco, the government behaving, uh, the levelling-up agenda, which I don't think a, a, a lot of Conservatives did not become Conservative MPs to talk about levelling up. Uh, I think that's it's all uh, I can you know, they're deeply unhappy.
3: And I suppose that's the thing, I suppose actually the test of do they want mm. to speak to him in the, in the tea room, Alice, is quite a good one, because Boris mm. Johnson was essentially a celebrity mm. politician. And actually having a photo with him, having a laugh, telling your friends that you've just <coughs> had a chat with Boris was all quite exciting. The <laughs> same thing that actually happened to Theresa May, something suddenly didn't really want to go to the... Mm the 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 number ten drinks or whatever it might be because there's not a cachet from you know if, if he's an election winner and he's great fun and the country love yeah. him then you want to align yourself with him and suddenly he's not those he's not those things um and it's just whether it's a question of whether or not i mean i suspect from his point of view the christmas break cannot come soon enough no
4: well exactly the other thing is though i've always felt with um boris having worked with him for quite a long time that actually if everything's going his way and it's all jovial and jolly and as you say he's a celebrity and people notice him walking down the street that's great if it's not going his way and everything feels a bit rubbish he is terrible when his back is against mm. wall. he just doesn't like it. he quite often lashes out and I think that's going to be a problem for him, that there will be a moment when, if he does, in a way it's almost better for him if he doesn't realise the mm. extent to which uh, he is disliked. Because once he does, he can be very difficult. And mm. I think he's, not, he's a much better place, really, when he's just playing mm-hmm. the clown.
2: And those Tory MPs will be looking at the... I mean, the polls turned last week, didn't they, for the first time, really? He'd got, yeah. a, he'd got away with it for, for months on end. And then suddenly there's a seven, eight, nine-point gap and they will be looking they i mean they're just making a calculation about can he can he win us the next election that's all they're doing uh i mean labor it would be a very very hard pushed to form a majority the next election i'm not sure it can be done cephalogically but there'll be 50 60 70 80 tory MPs who are thinking i could lose my seat here even if labor don't form a uh, get a majority uh so that and they're making the calculation is is boris going to help my chances or is he going to hinder them
4: mm. And um, as Robert said, it's the younger ones as well. Yeah. The, the worrying thing for him is that the ones who should be most loyal, who should be thinking, well, in five years time I want to be a minister and if Boris Johnson's there, I need to behave. They're obviously, you know, looking at it. They're taking the temperature and thinking, well, he's not going to be here for much longer. So mm. it doesn't make any difference if I rebel.
2: It's the flip side of, you know, electing Bolshy people in the North and Midlands. <laughs> You you know, I mean, everyone, (laughs) the the Tories were saying, oh, these are, you know, this is great. They're all new sorts of Tories, you know, wonderful, you know, uh, working class, trade unionists, all the rest of it. But maybe they just haven't got the respect for the leader that a more traditional kind of shire Tory might have. And they're saying, well, we don't particularly, we're grateful for this guy for getting us in, but we don't particularly personally warm to him. Yeah, and that's yeah, mm-hmm. and that's that's a big question for me.
3: Um, very brief, So I wanted to touch on both your comments; they were so good. Alice, mm-hmm. you've written today about being pregnant <clears throat> during the pandemic. Not you. Yes, I
4: came back. Not me personally. Sadly, um, I came back from work um, on Monday, and there was this incredible queue going over Westminster Bridge. And there was this woman who was obviously very pregnant, with her um, partner standing there. And it did look like a scene after the Nativity, partly because it was almost dark and it was raining. And Mm. she just looked exhausted, (laughs) and she'd been in this queue obviously for hours. And I just suddenly thought, you know, why is she not at the front? And I looked it up and they are the only vulnerable group who have not been given priority for boosters. And if you have your child until this week under 40, which is the majority, vast majority of women who are pregnant under 40, you weren't allowed to get your booster. And that just seems outrageous because we already know that we've had over 600 stillbirths in the last year from pregnant women who had COVID, who were in hospital, who went into labour early. And then, you know, we've had deaths from COVID of pregnant women. A fifth Mm. of the people who are in intensive care are pregnant women. And most of them didn't get inoculated. And you can say that's incredibly you know, irresponsible of them. But they were told often by their GPs and healthcare workers and all the pamphlets that said until June that they shouldn't be getting the jab. So now they're trying to catch up, and I think they should be given every help they can because I think it was very, very scary for them.
3: Well, there was a serious uh, column that you've uh, written, Alice. Uh, Robert, you've written about the jobs that people are most likely to have yeah. affairs in. No, I'm and a, you, that's serious, serious, was serious gonna, as well. You thought it was going to be teachers. But it's not
2: teachers. That was based on my own experience at school in the 1970s, when if you, if you as a 12-year-old, suspected two teachers were having an affair, you would almost always prove right. Uh, <laughs> but it's not teachers. They've obviously... Now, all politicians. They, they now behave themselves, all politicians, or even journalists. Yeah. It's, uh, it's the police. For, I mean, this is extraordinary. For, and this is only people who've admitted to, who admit to it. 44% of police officers admit to having had uh, an affair with a colleague. It's nearly half, and that's only the ones who are owning up.
4: And that's affairs rather than getting married to someone or having yeah. a relationship. Uh,
2: I think it might must include have made that.
4: I think that they just all. Maybe it's the thing in the police to have had an affair and you feel you have to say it.
2: Oh right, it's like really peer pressure. pressure. It's a culture. Yeah, like
4: back at school, language. yeah, blood pressure. Fourteen-year-old okay. boys at school going, "Oh yes, yes," you know.
2: Maybe take down your I went to Oh no, I use you just <laughs> nicked my gag. <laughs> oh, <laughs> I use that in my column. I know. <laughs> and surely just shamelessly nicked it
4: well i'm not yeah, sure it's and, really, i'm
3: not, well, I'm not, really, I'm not so sure not it's
2: particularly no it re- no that very is perfectly quickly true
4: that robert has also done his column which he keeps doing because i go into work and i have a particular leather skirt that i really like and robert has always <laughs> always repeated the mantra that he hates leather skirts no there which was it's se- now personal vendetta against me it
2: was sequins uh, yeah it was sequins this week
4: Yes, but I've yeah. never worn sequins, so that's okay. Uh-huh. But he did drop in the but leather
3: if skirt Robert, again. If Robert doesn't want to wear a leather skirt, that is his own business. Exactly. They don't suit me. That, that's You know, if you're not going to wear it, you're not going to have any affairs in the no. office. That's the only thing. No. Um, <laughs> maybe I to dress up as a policeman.
4: Yeah, it's all very stage at the times, so I have to tell you. Unless I'm being completely kept out of the loop.
3: I think that's probably all a great. conversation not to have on air. <laughs> uh, <laughs> <laughs> Robert Crampton and Alice Thompson there. And of course, you can read them both in The Times every week. Just get yourself a subscription. Go to thetimes.co.uk forward slash Up next is PMQs Unpacked.
0: If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers.
1: so start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash spoken today.
3: You're listening to the Red Box Podcast. Now it's time for this.
1: PMQs unpacked on Times Radio. Unpacking the politics and cutting through the crossfire.
3: Order, order. I call Matt Chorley and Patrick McGuire. Yeah. Yes, it's the last PMQ's unpacked of 2021, uh, where we pause the action live from the House of Commons to analyse in real time what's going on between Boris Johnson and Keir Starmer. Patrick Maguire, Times Red Box editor, is with me. Patrick, I won't mention the conversation we had two weeks ago where we were not wholly convinced that this number 10 party business was uh, a story which had legs. Instead, let's focus on what we think might come up in this end-of-term ding-dong between Boris Johnson and Keir Starmer.
5: Well, you know, usually uh, you might put Forrest Dump on if you were a teacher trying to hold the attention of your sort of or happy class. Uh, but, you know, to stretch this metaphor beyond the, the, the bounds of reasonable taste, Given the news, I think you know Chris Whitty and Jenny Harries have put on a, a horror movie, and the uh, the two prefects in St. Keir Starmer and Boris Johnson will talk almost exclusively about Omicron, I should think.
3: And looking at the uh, live feed from the House of Commons, Boris Johnson just answering a, a, a backbench question, it's pretty busy. I mean, given that I mean, COVID is whipped through the uh, the parliamentary lobby. Most, <laughs> the journalists seem to have got it. Lots of MPs seem to have had it. It's a bit weird, isn't it, is a message to send. I mean, I suppose it's because if you want to be there and ask a question, you've got to do it in person because you can't do it remotely. But while everyone else seems to be cancelling their plans, the commons absolutely, you know, it's a cheek by jowl.
5: Yeah, I have to say I'm I'm pretty surprised actually, given that, you know, three members I think of Takir's Shadow Cabinet have all tested positive for COVID. Uh Sred Davy, who might, you think, have wanted to get get a little questioning before the North Shropshire by-election tomorrow, has also tested positive, but but as you say, in the absence of uh, rules allowing virtual participation, MPs are in a pretty invidious position, I mean, it's not quite a packed house, but it's perhaps busier than you'd expect uh, of a legislature at the epicentre of the Omicron outbreak.
3: Yeah, it's a bit thinner down the, down the SNP end from what we could see on the green benches and, and down, actually down on the sort of the, the far end on the Tory bench is a bit thinner. But behind both Boris Johnson and Keir Starmer, it's pretty busy. Well, here we go then. The last PMQs unpacked of 2021. Question one from the Labour leader, Keir Starmer.
6: Position Keir Starmer. Thank you, Mr Speaker. Can I also wish you, um, everybody works in this house and all members, uh, a Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year. And can I also send my congratulations to the Prime Minister and his wife on the birth of their daughter? And join the Prime Minister in supporting our armed forces and all those on the front line. Mr Speaker, there were 200,000 Omicron infections on Monday. That's doubling every two or three days, and the NHS could be overwhelmed. So I want to start by encouraging everyone listening to this session to get their jabs and boosters, it's the best way to protect themselves, the NHS and their loved ones. Given the seriousness of the situation, does the Prime Minister agree that the 100 Conservative members who voted against Plan B measures last night voted against steps which are necessary to protect the NHS
1: and to protect lives? Uh, thank you, uh, Mr Speaker. The Government is taking a balanced and a proportionate approach uh, to dealing with uh, the pandemic and uh, uh, the House voted through uh, Plan B, I think, with Conservative votes, Mr Speaker. And we will continue uh, with the massive booster rollout to which he is a, uh, to which he is a, a, a late convert. Uh, since Friday, when I decided that we had to accelerate the booster programme in view of the data about Omicron, Uh, we've cut the timetable in half uh, Mr. Speaker, Monday was the biggest vaccination Monday in the history of this country, and yesterday was the second biggest uh, vaccination achievement uh, by the NHS ever. More than 500,000 jabs delivered, and uh, the campaign continues to grow. I want to thank absolutely everybody involved. I want to thank all the British public for coming forward to get boosted now. Yeah.
3: OK, let's just pause it uh, there. Um, those... Uh, <laughs> I mean, it was quite smart by Keir Starmer there, Patrick Maguire, by trying to sort of separate Boris Johnson from his own rebels, get him to condemn them. I mean, he, he quite carefully avoided doing that. Instead, hailing the biggest vaccination Monday this country's ever seen.
5: Yeah. Uh, <laughs> vaccination Mondays. Uh, great band, weren't they? But uh, I... Uh, <laughs> I thought that was a really that was a really well-pitched question from Keir Starmer. Actually, obviously he didn't get the answer he wanted, but it illustrates Boris Johnson's key political difficulty, right? He stuck between the rock of opposition from uh you know, almost half of his own back benches, and the hard place of having to rely on Labour to get through further public health measures. And when he comes back to the commons, and I think we can we can safely predict it will be a when, be it over the Christmas break or in January, saying uh we need to uh tighten this restriction or introduce this uh new measure to slow the spread. Um, he will face that calculation again. And it's and it's very shrewd politics from secure start, because obviously on the on the broadcast rounds this morning, we've We've heard MP after MP saying, oh, you know, it's not necessarily about Boris Johnson, it's about public health measures. But there is clearly a wedge to be pushed between uh, the front bench uh, of uh, the the government side and and the back benches. And uh, I suspect Keir Starmer will continue to do that.
3: It's interesting. Um, It's a slightly different tone from Keir Starmer because in the media clips last night, he was accusing Boris Johnson of um, a failure of leadership. Even though Boris Johnson did force through what Keir Starmer wanted to do in the face of his own uh, MP, so he's clearly decided now side with Boris Johnson, create that wedge uh, with the back uh, with the backbenchers. Let's go back then. This is question two. It's PMQs unpacked is question two from Keir Starmer.
6: Mr. Speaker, we all hope that combined with the booster programme, Plan B will be sufficient to prevent the NHS from being overwhelmed. Nobody wants to see further restrictions. But the Prime Minister has quite rightly not ruled anything out. So can I take this opportunity to make clear to the Prime Minister that if further votes are needed to save lives and protect the NHS, Labour MPs will follow my leadership and we will always put the national interest first. Can I ask the Prime Minister to get his house in order so he can say the same about the members
1: behind him? Yes, uh, Mr. Speaker. If uh, further measures are needed, as, as the House will understand, if further regulation is needed, of course this House uh, will have a further say. As for following his leadership, Mr. Speaker, uh, they wibbled, wobbled over Plan B. They wibble wobbled over quarantine. And if we listened, if we listened to him, Mr. Speaker, uh, we wouldn't even have the, have the vaccine rollout because we would have remained in the European Medicines Agency. <laughs> True, and we wouldn't have opened up on July the nineteenth, Mr. Speaker. Uh we would have remained in lockdown. That's the reality, Mr. Speaker. Ah, well.
5: I think, um, beginning to think I'd never hear that line again. Uh,
3: that's. I think that might be a record to get a reference to we'd still be in the European Medicines Agency in response to question two. That's that either means that Boris Johnson has got some Christmas crackers lined up for us, or he's already Panicking and, fla- panicking and and, and uh, flanneling. Wibble wobbles um, is a new one. We normally get vaccinate and vacillate. Um, here's an interesting question, Patrick McGuire. Uh, trivia question. Who is the only party leader to suffer a front bench resignation as a result of the vote last night?
5: Sir Keir Starmer, of course. Rachel Maskell, the shadow minister, resigned uh, rather than uh, vote through mandatory jobs for care workers, which is a big bugbear of... Uh, I was gonna say Sir Keir Starmer's Union allies. I don't think they, they're quite his allies, but you know Labour's union affiliates uh, were opposed to that and she is aligned with the left. But it's but, it, but it's interesting, you know, we haven't heard anything about that, quite obviously, because of the yeah, 100 uh government rebellions. And I thought Keir Starmer's question there, won one the Tony striking industry, right? It's very it's statesmanlike. It's you know, he is, it's almost like he's assuming the mo- like you know the moral authority to lecture Boris Johnson. You got that in his televised address the other night. The second thing is, in front-loading his question with, one, first question, reminding the Tory benches that uh, Labour voted those through, two, saying to the Tory benches that in the event of another parliamentary vote, which Boris Johnson has to promise, that Labour votes will carry the day again, he is ramping up the chances of another rebellion, because as Professor Philip Cowley of Queen Mary, the expert on parliamentary rebellions wrote on in Times Red Box this morning, you know... There is, no, there is no greater license for a Tory and Peter to bell if they know whatever measure is going to pass anyway. So, you know, there are plenty of MPs who hate Boris, who voted against this measure yesterday uh, because they knew it would pass. So, you know, the, he's really punching the bruise here, Sir Keir Starling.
3: Yeah, and we'll see uh, We'll see if, uh, if he continues to do so. As we go back to the House of Commons, and Patrick McGuire, this is question three from Kiss Tommy.
6: Mr Speaker, let me put that straight back in its box. The Labour Party showed the leadership yesterday that the Prime Minister lacked. If, Mr Speaker, if it wasn't for Labour votes, his government wouldn't have been able to introduce vital health measures. We need to save layers and protect the NHS. So weak is his leadership. His own MPs were wrong to vote against basic public health measures. But I can understand why they're angry with him. After all, the Health Secretary said this summer that relaxations of restrictions were irreversible. They weren't. Only last week, the Government... Order, order, order. I've been tempted by both of you a little bit too much. Think it's Christmas. That's the only reason you're going to remain. (laughs) (laughs) Prime. <laughs> <laughs> Mr uh, Speaker, Speaker, only Liz last Hoyle, week the uh, Government was saying Plan B measures were not required. They are. Just like the rail revolution for the North. No one will have to sell their homes for social care. Just like no tax rises. It's over-promise after over-promise until reality catches up. Does the Prime Minister understand why his
1: own MPs no longer trust him? Mr Speaker, you know, there, there he goes again uh, he comes to this house pompously claiming that he wants to rise above uh, party politics and uh, support the efforts of the nation in delivering uh, the vaccine rollout and then, and then he talks endlessly about party politics and plays uh, political games. I think what the people in this country can see is a, as a result of what this government has done uh, with the decisions we've taken, the tough decisions that we've taken to deliver the which he ducked, Mr Speaker to deliver the fastest vaccine rollout in Europe and now the fastest booster rollout. And We now have, Mr Speaker, the fastest-growing economy in the G7 and more jobs today, more jobs today, 500,000 more jobs today than there were when the pandemic began. That is Conservative government in action, Mr Speaker. We deliver, they complain. Yeah.
3: We deliver, they complain is not a very... Uh... Uh, rousing um, uh, slogan, Patrick McGrath. He's boasted there about the fastest growing this and that. He's got the fastest growing rebellion on his hand. I hadn't uh, clocked this. So we thought there were 99 rebels uh, last night. That went up to 100. The Commons vote list has been amended, so it's now up to 101. So 99 votes against and two uh, tellers who who count the votes in. Um, Keir Starmer, I thought that last question was slightly more confused to accuse Boris Johnson of not showing leadership. I mean, there's a question of why he hasn't taken his own MPs with it, but he has done what Keir Starmer wanted. And so doing what's right in the eyes of the country and the opposition, in, rather than implicating his own MPs, that is showing a degree of leadership, uh, you you could uh, argue. But then again, trying to highlight, he disagrees with the Tory MPs, but he can understand why they don't trust Boris Johnson. He, who, it's, it's a slightly, I don't know, mixed message that he's now, he's now putting forward.
5: Yeah, it is a slightly all things to all people uh, line of argument, isn't it? You know, he's at once uh, saying these Tory MPs are, you know, being completely irresponsible, endangering public health, but also saying um, they are almost prisoners of conscience who uh, are more than entitled to rise up against such a shameless and hopeless prime minister. But, you know, regardless, uh, it's an attack that will sting. And the problem for Boris Johnson is it's all very well and good talking about playing politics, but the fact is, uh, it's the Conservative Party that, in the eyes of the public, and indeed in you know in the eyes of its own MPs, that is that is hopelessly divided, and and is you know you may well, may well argue playing politics with public health at uh, you know the time when cool heads and leadership is needed most acutely. So yeah, sure. Keir Starmer's line is, you know, slightly confused logically, but, um, you know, sort of his prerogative when the when when his opposition is so hopelessly divided.
3: Yeah, and when you know Boris Johnson's line is not not particularly clear either. Um, uh, we should point out if you if you're uh, not watching along live on the telly, but I think it's fair to say Boris Johnson's hair is probably its sort of cheap Boris Johnson impressionist wig. Um, stage. It looks particularly wild today. I don't know what that means. In it's, uh, of,
5: um... I think it's what you might call a half fabricant or
3: uh, <laughs> Demi- a, it's not quite
5: the full gummage but it's it's definitely a half <laughs> fabricant.
3: Not quite the full gummage. Uh, very good. Right, we go back to the House of Commons there. We continue PMQ's Unpacks. Matt Shawley with Patrick McGuire the Times Red Box editor. Let's have question four from Keir Starmer.
6: Mr Speaker, the only person undermining public confidence is sitting right there. Here's the problem. His MPs are wrong to vote against basic public health measures, but they are not wrong to distrust him. Last week, the Conservative member for the Forest of Dean asked, why should people at home listening to the Prime Minister do things that people working in Downing Street are not prepared to do? Tory MP. The Conservative member for Shipley last week asked the Prime Minister, can he give me any reason at all why I should, shouldn't tell my constituents to treat these rules the same way that Downing Street treated these rules last year. Now, the Prime Minister had a week to come up with a good answer.
1: Has he done so? Yes. Mr Speaker, the answer is very, very clear and it's there in what the public are doing, uh, Mr Speaker, because they can see, uh, they can see that the government uh, is getting on with deliver- delivering on their priorities, not just on the economy, Mr Speaker, but above all on delivering the fastest booster rollout uh, in Europe. And... You know he likes to he like, he's fond of these european comparisons mr speaker but we've done almost double the percentage of any other european country uh, we've we've boosted we've boosted eighty six percent of the over 80s in this country, 91% of those aged 75 uh, to 79. That is an astonishing achievement and I think that is what the people of this country are focused on, Mr Speaker, rather than than the the partisan trivia that he continually raises when, frankly, frankly, uh, he has a case to answer himself.
3: Well, I'm not sure Keir Starmer mentioned European comparisons there um, at all. Although uh, I have to say I'm not totally sure what Keir Starmer's question was. He was quoted the Forrester Dean MPs Mark Harper, who we heard from on Times Radio a little earlier, and uh, the Shipy MPs Philip Davis, both um, uh, no fans of the uh, the John, Johnson re- regime. Um, we should point out that sitting directly next to to Boris Johnson's left is Liz Truss, who is studying him with. Narrowed eyes, I think it's fair to say, very, very closely. Maybe she's wondering what she might uh, be saying if she was at the dispatch box um, instead of him at PMQs. Um, well, at this rate, she will be
5: in the fortnight's time. But anyway, well, yeah. I was going
3: to basically that's going to be my question. right are we discovering anything from this exchange at PMQs, uh, which either shores up Boris Johnson's position or exposes him his his fragility?
5: Well, the risky thing for Boris Johnson, you know, it, it was slightly surreal to hear Keir Starmer approvingly quote. At- uh, you know, lockdown skeptic in chief Mark Harper, and uh, you know the honourable member for uh, you know the 1950s Philip Davies, right? And, and that, that's not something kit Starmer usually does. But in ventriloquising, they've been asking the questions of the prime minister that they asked. He exposed the fact that he doesn't have an answer, much like before when he was when he was asking uh, his second question about uh, you know volunteering Labour votes for their next division. All Boris Johnson can say is you'll get a vote. There, there is clearly no substantive grounds on which he is either willing to engage or can engage with his MPs. And that's a very risky position to be in, particularly when you have dispossessed MPs like Mark Harper, a former cabinet minister, and, you know, never possessed malcontents like Philip Davies, who is a, a maverick backbencher who, you know, will not be bought or sold Uh uh, in political terms. Uh, it's a very risky position to be in.
3: Yeah, well, I, I, I always think once, once a politician is accusing another politician of playing politics, um, then, you know, they they are they are thrashing around. They are the ones doing the wibbly-wobbling. Uh, right, we've got two more questions to go. Uh, let's see if, because both of them will want to give their their their, their backbenchers something to cheer themselves with as they head off for Christmas. So we've got two more. This is question five
6: from Keir Starmer. I think that's no, he hasn't come up with a good answer. For weeks now, he claims that no rules were broken. He claims he didn't know what was happening in his own house last Christmas. I don't believe him. His MPs don't believe him, and nor do the British public. He's taking the public for fools, and it's becoming dangerous. Because from today, anyone who tests positive for coronavirus faces a second Christmas in isolation. It will be heartbreaking for families across the country. The message from the Government has to be, we know that following the rules won't be easy this Christmas, but it is necessary. Can the Prime Minister not see that he has no hope of regaining the moral authority to deliver that difficult message if he cannot be straight with the British public about the rule breaking in Downing Street last Christmas?
1: Mr Speaker, I've repeatedly answered uh, that question uh, before and, and, uh, and as he knows, a report is being uh, delivered uh, to me by the Cabinet Secretary into exactly uh, what went on. He might explain why there are pictures of him quaffing uh, beer, uh, Mr Speaker. In a way, I mean, uh, we haven't heard... We haven't, I think what the British public want us all to do Frankly, and what they want us all to do is focus focus on the matter in hand and continue to deliver the vaccine rollout in the way that we are. And I think it is an absolutely fantastic thing that people are now coming forward in the way that we are uh, the way that they are. 45% of people over 18 have now had a vaccine, Mr. Speaker. And I'm very and I thank I thank our amazing staff. I thank the NHS. I thank all the GPs. I thank the GPs. And we how we are. Well, you blocked that. You blocked the. Investment. They they wouldn't vote for it. They wouldn't vote for investment in our NHS, Mr Speaker. They wouldn't wouldn't do it. I I thank them for what they're doing. I can tell the House that uh, we're now speeding things up uh, by allowing people to avoid the 15-minute delay after they've been vaccinated, which I hope will encourage even more people to come forward. Uh, that was uh, the, the the penultimate exchange
3: at uh, PMQs. Uh, Patrick McGuire, I'm not totally... I've just had a quick Google during that. The, the the pictures of Keir Starmer drinking beer. Is this when he was... He, w- he went to a brewery uh, in Wrexham uh, back in... When was this? April? And uh, he had a pint of beer at the brewery, despite pubs being in lockdown. Um, so that... I think that's the criticism. Why was he drinking a pint of beer when the pubs were shut, but it wasn't a brewery? Um, uh, Yeah, the organisation of of, uh, revelries in which, I'm not sure either party could, could uh, could claim to be expert.
5: You know, recent weeks, Matt, have taught us that we can occasionally be a bit too hasty when we have these discussions about predicting which line or which bar will have... Uh, the fable cut through, but I'm pretty certain uh, that neither of us will lose much money or pride betting on that line from Boris Johnson, uh, not cutting through, because like you, I have no idea um, what it's all about. Nor did we learn much from that exchange beyond Keir Starmer articulating um, in his own words what he's trying to do, i.e. assume the moral authority to... Uh, present Labour as a government in waiting, which is a phrase he used on a, a Zoom call with front benches uh, yesterday, you know, talking and, you know, uh, moral authority. Indeed, the uh, the phrase I used earlier in this exchange. So for once, the Labour leaders office are listening, uh, listening to me.
3: <laughs> um, and uh, Here's a big question. And we've got the last question coming up. So maybe he's been holding it. But he's got, he's not, Kirsten has not gone hard on the Zoom quiz photo which clearly seems to fly in the face of the suggestion that Boris Johnson did not know that there was some form of staff gathering. The fact that um, there seems to be, according to the papers today, instructions issued on how to take part in the, in the quiz in number 10. Um, at the very least, there's some good jokes to be had about the pub quiz names or whatever it might be. Um, actually, he seems to have eased off. these sort of made oblique references to um, the, the you know the lack of trust and the promise, you know, and so on. But he hasn't really gone hard on the thing that everyone else has been talking about this week, which is those photos.
5: Well, I wonder if the the judgment the Labour Party has made, um, and as you say, given that it's all the public have been talking about, it's perhaps a risky judgment call, is that the debate has moved on, uh, that serious times demand a more serious tone. And, uh, you know, then arguably Keir already would be playing politics, at a uh, at a juncture that the government's chief scientific advisors all say is the most terrifying yet in the pandemic, if he went large on, uh, you know, the fact that the Mirror have uh, named the quiz teams today and asking <laughs> which, them, which one of them the Prime Minister uh, would condemn or condone, right? I think um much those two words, moral authority. It's about presenting Labour as an organised. Serious alternative government and um, frivolities and frippery, such as the number 10 quiz, you know, the, the point and the political point has been made there.
3: And I suppose the big difference is that they got a lot of criticism of the Labour Party for constantly banging on about wallpaper uh, previously. And so if he's just, if everyone else is talking, everyone knows about the quiz, I don't need to put it up in lights. I can take a step back and, you know, like I say, rise above it a bit rather than being accused of banging on about the quiz. You know, something that happened a year ago. Right, well, but here we go then. We might be wrong. Maybe he's going to bring up some quiz jokes now. This is, and this is this will be a big moment. This is the moment that both lots of MPs go off for the Christmas break. Who is sending their party off with a spring in their step? And who's going off to start plotting against their leaders? Both of whom are facing with that. Angela Rayner sitting next to Keir Starmer. Liz Truss sitting next to Boris Johnson. Who's going to come out on top? Who's going to get the best social media clip? is question number six, the last question at PMQs from
6: Keir Starmer of 2021. Here we go. Mr Speaker, the virus is spreading once again and lives and livelihoods are at risk. The British public are looking for a Prime Minister with the trust and the authority to lead Britain through the crisis. Instead, we're burdened with the worst possible Prime Minister at the worst possible time. They're shouting now. Where were they in the lobby last night? His own MPs have had enough. They won't defend him. They won't turn up to support him. And if he proposes them, they won't vote for basic public health measures. So at this time of national effort, the Labour Party stood up, shown the leadership that the Prime Minister can't and put the health and security of the British people first. Yeah, on, on, on. This is silly because I can't hear the question. I will hear the question. I don't think we need any more help from this front bench. I'm just dealing with this corner first before I come back. (laughs) Can I just say, I understand it's the last PMQs and we're going to be coming back in the new year, but I do need to hear the question. And it may take a long time, but I will hear it. So please, I want to get through questions. I want you all to get away for Christmas. At this stage, you won't. Mr. Mr Speaker, the primary is so weak that without Labour votes last night, vital public health measures wouldn't have got through. But this country can't says it's not true. Oh God.
1: Uh, I don't go... <laughs>
4: it's not true <laughs>
6: that... He's so socially distant from the truth. He thinks that that's not true. I don't know where to start. <laughs> We better press on. We can't go on with a prime minister who's too weak to lead. Yeah. So will the prime minister take time this Christmas to look in the mirror and ask himself whether he has the trust and authority to
1: lead this country? Mr. Speaker, uh, thank you very much. Mr. Speaker, uh, let, 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 we uh, we won that uh, vote last night with Conservative voters. I as I told the house. I respect the feelings and the, I respect the anxieties uh, that colleagues have about, of course I do, I respect and understand the anxieties, the legitimate anxieties that colleagues have about uh, restrictions on their liberty, but I believe, uh, and on the liberty of, the, of people, but I believe that the approach that we're taking is balanced and proportionate and right for this country. And let me tell you, Mr Speaker, let me tell the House about some of the, he talks about leadership, some of the decisions, the tough decisions that I've had to take. I had to decide to stay out of the European ventilator scheme so we had our own ventilator challenge, which, which which he then then ridiculously attacked. I decided to go ahead, ahead of the rest of Europe, ahead of the rest of Europe with the vaccine rollout, Mr Speaker, which would have been impossible if we'd listened to him. I decided to go ahead with opening up our society and our economy on July the 19th, which he opposed, Mr Speaker, which he opposed... And frankly, uh, if we'd listened to him, never forget, we would not now have the fastest economic growth of the G7. It's because, it's because we took those courageous steps, Mr Speaker, uh, that we now have 500,000 more people in work now than there were when the pandemic began and yesterday I saw 1.2 million job vacancies Mr Speaker. That is what Conservative governments do. They create employment. They create business opportunities and and above all Mr Speaker we vaccinate they vacillate They, They jabber we jab. They play party politics Mr Speaker and we get on with the job
3: They play party politics. We have Christmas parties would have been a better way of um, finishing off. Now, I I thought Keir Starmer would be kicking himself there, Patrick McGuire, because he was building up his big peroration and then Lindsay Hoyle interrupted it.
5: To, to, you know, to, to remind uh the class not to touch the lathe, to, to, uh to uh to, to as it's earlier
3: as it's christmas patrick give us give us another uh, don't touch <laughs> the lathe
5: don't touch the lathe come on i've told totally, you it's your own time you're wasting okay um <laughs> the,
3: but, but, but,
5: but, yeah well exactly and but but you know that speaks to uh you know the uh the end of term jitters that are, that are taking over the house and that that monologue, that closing monologue from Boris Johnson made Kevin Kevin Keegan in 1998 look like a picture of composure. It's you know it was several hundred words in search of a point. Uh, um, you know, uh, no semblance of an argument. It was.
3: Uh, I mean, was that's basically look- unprepared. Actually, I mean, it was just it was just a greatest hits. There was no. You know, there was no new line of attack or new phrase or or concession or anything. Just finally, Patrick, I'm slightly conscious of the time, um, Keir Starmer asking Boris Johnson to look in the mirror this Christmas, dangerously close to telling him he should resign without actually doing it.
5: Uh, yes, exactly. And but, 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 but this is an ideal situation for the Labour Party. Um, as long as the Conservative Party is divided and reliant on uh, Sir Keir Starmer for uh, the passage of key public health measures. Um, there's no point in Keir Starmer being the one to tell Boris Johnson to resign. It actually suits the Labour Party to a T to have Tory MPs making that point implicitly.
3: Well There we are. The end, the last PMQs unpacked of 2021. Uh, Boris Johnson and Keir Starmer going at it. I'm not sure we learnt a huge amount uh, apart from maybe a slightly tighter Keir Starmer operation, they've got a they've I, got a plan. They've got a plan. I think it's
5: his best yet, actually. I think,
3: yeah, it's a lower bar, but yeah, we'll see. We'll see how that pans out in the polls and so on. That's <laughs> all so we've got time for on this episode of the Red Box Podcast. Don't forget, you can listen to me live Monday to Friday, ten till one on Times Radio, and we bring you the best bits here on the podcast. And if you're feeling particularly nice, why not wait and review us wherever you get your podcast from.